Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's Travelers Championship round number two. Join me to break it all down. Mark Immelman is here. Mark, hello to you. How's it, Rick? How are you doing, Paul? Nice to be with you. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. I'm uh, here in West Hartford right now. Mm-hmm. Went out to the golf course this afternoon. I'm getting a New Haven pizza delivered to the room, so life is peachy here for me right now. Thank you. Very, very good. Well, uh, I don't want to keep you away from your pizza too long. We've got plenty of time (laughs) to recap this Friday round, and let's just get started with one of the bigger names in the world. It's Rory McIlroy, Mark, who gave us plenty of fireworks early on Friday morning. He was eight under through 15, but he makes par on number seven. That is his 16th hole today. Then he makes double on eight and par on nine, plays his final three at two over, and his New Haven pizza tonight might not taste as, as good. <laughs> yeah. Well, funny story behind all of this. So I'm uh, my flight out of Atlanta was horribly delayed, and so I got in here later than expected. So I came via the hotel first to pick up parking credentials and stuff, and so... I put my bag in the room. I go down into the lobby, and who do I bump into? Rory McIlroy, who I'd been watching PGA Tour Live uh, in flight, and I was like, he's going crazy. So I'm like, hey, nice round, man. And he goes, mm, yeah, thanks. <laughs> sort of, um, and, and with a little pursed lips, and I was like, oh, well, nice to see you. And he's like, yeah, cool. Head on backwards, he went upstairs, um, and he was, he was back early, so obviously not very much practice after the round. So then I get in the car, I look at the score, and I'm like, ah, oh, hell. He's made a double burger in a hole where I went out. Actually went out to the eight to par three and it's a devilish hole location, but really it's like eight iron at best, I would think, maybe even less for, for these guys. So I didn't see how he did it, but I heard he hit the ball in the water and that was a pretty big miss uh, for a ball and a tee and a guy who was well under par at the time. Yeah, pretty big miss indeed. He is going to end up at eight under par for the tournament. He's in a tie for 10th right now, and he is five shots off the lead heading into the weekend, so still very much in the mix for Rory McIlroy. He was playing, Mark, with Tom Kim, and Tom Kim's had kind of an interesting year. I think uh, when you win two of your first eight career PGA Tour starts, expectations are very high in 2023. Has probably not bared the fruit that Tom Kim has been looking for, but a six under 64 bogey free around TPC River Highlands on Friday has him eight shots off the lead in a tie for 22nd. Yeah, and playing alongside Rory McIlroy, I believe. Um, And so that's always nice when you're playing along someone of Rory's caliber. And you put together a round like that. But, you know, to me, Tom Kim has kind of been percolating a little bit. Uh, last week at the U.S. Open, had a, an overpar first round, but then put together three rounds in the 60s uh, to vault into in, inside the top 10. And he's the kind of guy where, you know, the game is kind of predicated on accuracy and good putting. And, and this golf course right now, when I got there, 
it's green and it just it's kind of saying to these guys come and make birdies because there was very little breeze out there when i was out i didn't obviously see the morning field um and it was sort of receptive the greens had a little bounce to them but they were putting beautifully and uh, it's the kind of thing where if you miss from what i saw it's sort of operator error and tom kim i know can roll the golf ball very well so if he's hitting a few good iron shots you can get your share of looks and so I wasn't surprised, or you, one shouldn't be surprised when you start to see these guys just going crazy and shooting low scores. But he's bringing good form in here, and I expect him to continue in, along in this vein because, you know, last year this time was when he sort of introduced himself to the world a bit, you know, with a big finish at the uh, Scottish Open. And then, of course, he absolutely charged to the victory at the Wyndham. So you know, he seems to play well this sort of summer, heading into the late summertime, Tom Kim. Yeah, we'll see if he can regain that form from this time last year. So far, so good around Hartford. Uh, it is the 11th straight week in which Eric Cole has teed it up on the PGA Tour, Mark, but no signs of being tired, no signs of fatigue because he shot a 65 on Friday to go with his Thursday 64. So he is 11 under par, four shots off the lead, quietly putting together a very good season with a bunch of top 20s. And currently, if this thing ended right now, he'd be 34th in the FedEx Cup standings. And i got to tell you, the way it's shaping up right now, um, ordinarily I sort of do the penultimate group for CBS. And uh, the way it's shaping up, Eric Cole would be in the second to last group. And I'm kind of hoping I get that assignment because he's an exciting young player. I love to watch him play. He's a good kid. Uh, and he's got a whole lot of game. And it just seems to me like this talented young man, mini tour star now on the PGA, becoming a star quickly, um, is playing into a whole lot of confidence. And he, he's, he's pretty one-dimensional in the ball flight. He can hit it surprisingly long for a small man. He hits this tumbly draw that goes a long way. But the iron game is normally sharp, and he can really putt it. And uh, Look, that's another sensational day. And and we saw at a very difficult golf course at the Honda Classic at the champion course at PGA National that he didn't go away under pressure. So I'm keen to see how he goes tomorrow. I'm thinking, I mean, my gut is telling me he's going to get busy on Saturday afternoon and keep himself in the mix. Well, getting busy on Friday is what Colin Morikawa did, but despite his best efforts, Mark, a 7-under 63 was not good enough to make the cut because of a Thursday 74, 11 shots different between his opening round and his second round. And this solidified that you are off the hook in our wine wager because Russell Henley made the cut. I had Colin Morikawa. He will fail <laughs> to make the cut. And you and I, sir, are all square. I was embarrassed to admit in front of everybody here um, that I'd forgotten what the bet was. I knew there was something on, and I knew Russell Henley was involved. So I looked at his score, and I'm like, yeah, he had a good day today. Uh, and then, but as it pertains to Colin, um, look, he, it's, it's such a strange case right now because, you know, I've been sort of going on a little bit how I just don't feel like he's completely there um, with with the golf swing. and. And then I heard someone today, um, someone on PGA Tour Live, who made a very um, observant observation. I can't recall who it was, also would give credit, but this is not mine. And they were looking at ball speeds off the driver and efficiency and strike. And they made the comparison between Morikawa and Tom Kim. And the thing was that Morikawa had more club head speed, 
but less ball speed and the ball wasn't traveling as far, which speaks to mishits, which is when I've called Colin out there, I've sort of seen, you know, is it balls that have been online, but the ball flight hasn't been as penetrating or piercing. And then when this observation was made, I'm like, well, that sort of makes sense now. And it adds some credence to what I've been saying. But that's one thing. I mean, for this guy to have two rounds with a nine, what's it, nine stroke dispersion between the two scores? 11. That's 11, forgive me. That, that That's just not Colin Morikawa. You know, the Morikawa I know is a great iron player. He's consistent. Um, when he has a bad day, he's always around, which is why he won major championships quickly, because you know you're going to have a bad day, but you win by making your bad day decent. And we've just, he just proved it now. Uh, granted, this is a birdie bonanza, but he's proven that you can't afford to go and shoot in the mid 70s on your bad day. You know, if you're a bad day in a place like this, you're going to shoot like, whoa, 68 ish, like two under or so, because these guys are just having their way with the golf course. So uh, I wouldn't say I'm concerned, but it is curious right now. And, and I'm really wondering what he's doing and what he's thinking with his game, because that's a massive dispersion between two days. He will not be the only star to miss the cut. John Rahm also on the wrong side of things. He will go home. We will see him later down the road. One more before we get to our afternoon wave slash our leaders, and that's Scotty Scheffler. It was an 11-shot difference between Colin Morikawa's first and second round. It was a seven-shot difference between Scotty's first and second round. However, that was a Thursday 63, a Friday 70. Never really got much going. You talked about the golf course, which played two strokes under par today, Mark, to make two birdies and offset them with two bogeys and then make 14 pars is not generally the way to get it done around TPC River Highlands. Nah, this place, uh, look, there's not much rough right now. So you can drive it as hard as you like. Just keep the ball out the water. Um, if you're hitting it from the fairway, there's just enough in the greens where they'll bounce and then spin. But if you're playing from the fairway, it's in just an iron hitter's paradise. And the greens are perfect. And... and they're rolling beautifully, um, they, and they're not scary fast. They're fast, but they're not like fright factor fast. So for John to shoot that score today with, again, I, was, I wasn't I was out here this morning, so forgive me. Um, it didn't look like there was much breeze whatsoever. There certainly wasn't very much breeze this afternoon. So it's all I can kind of chalk it up to is a guy who's sort of been spotty with a form. But again, we're in a big run of golf here right now, and it's a big trip from someone on the West Coast over to the East Coast. And there's a lot of expectation on these guys. So for John Rahm, I think it might be, well, go home, put the clubs up for a few days, and then start preparing for uh, for the for the Scottish Open. I'm guessing he's going to play Genesis. And then, um, of course, the Open Championship. Let's reset with our leaders at the top of the board. They're sitting at 15 under. There's currently two of them. We will do that and discuss what the weekend looks like in Cromwell. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. We will be led by two uh, golfers taking us into the weekend with a co-lead at 15 under par. Let's start with the one who went out in the morning. That was Denny McCarthy, who was off to a bit of a slow start. Mark one over through his first seven holes before getting level at number eight and then firing a 30 on his inward nine. Uh, Denny, looking for that first career PGA Tour victory, is doing what Denny normally does, he is second in the field in strokes gained putting. That's almost a given at this point, but he tacks on another seven strokes, second in the field from tee to green. That's the dirty little secret for this week. 
I got to tell you, I had never, ever watched him play up close. I'd watched him on the range, but I'd never seen him up close until the final round at Memorial, where ostensibly he had the lead for, 70, uh, for, for 17 of the 18 holes. He played his way to the lead fast and then hung in there. And he was, he looked all over the part. And I came away there nothing but impressed. And I'd heard one of my colleagues say that, you know, Denny, he's, he knows he's a great putter. He's reactive. He's athletic. He's kind of a modern day Brad Faxon on the greens, I would say. Um, but he's a heck of an athlete. And he was a fantastic basketball player, he was telling me, in high school. In fact, he started golf late. I don't think people realize. He only took golf seriously when he got to university. So he's athletic, right? But he wants to be known as a good ball striker. And I've got to tell you, when I watched him hit the ball coming down the stretch at Memorial, which was difficult with narrow fairways and stuff, he barely missed a beat. And people can critique him for the bad tee shot down 18, but that ball was barely left of center and it drew slightly, which is why it went through the fairway and he made that bogey in re uh, regulation. But Danny McCarthy's legit. He is a legitimate man. And um, you put him on greens like this, with, a, with as consistent as what he is from tee to green, it's going to be a show. And and this might sound like it's a stretch because it looks like it's going to be a, just another fiesta tomorrow. Um, you better beat this guy if you want to win because Danny McCarthy is not going to go away. Not in these conditions with his game. Well, he's not alone at the top of the board. Keegan Bradley joins him at 15 under, follows up his Thursday 62 with a Friday 63. Pretty good stuff highlighted by five consecutive birdies from 12 through 16. Mark, uh, speaking of, of ball striking, uh, historically, Keegan's been one of the best, and he's first in the field this week on approach play. In fact, if you just put Keegan and Denny McCarthy into one person, you'd have the maybe the best player on earth. Yeah, uh, yeah. Keegan can drive it, man. He's a good driver of the golf ball. He's a beautiful iron striker. Um, I made a point of going to watch him this afternoon um, because Wednesday uh, I joined the Sportsline show, which I know, know you do for CBS once in a while too. And and they ask, they ask these horrible bets like a cut and misser. And I hate to do that because then I say something and someone hears that I said they were going to miss the cut and that's just a bad idea for me. So I was asked for that. I was proved wrong. Um, and then they asked for a long shot to win. And I was like, Keegan Bradley. I was, like, I was like, pay attention to Mark Hubbard. I think he'll play well. But Keegan Bradley, you got to be because he plays so well up here. And I'm like, he's pretty close to home because he's from the Boston area. And so I went out there this afternoon and there were a lot of fans with him. And there were a lot of shots of Keegan. Let's go, Keegan. So the crowd's behind him. And he's been, I looked through the numbers scoring wise, not statistics or anything. But it just seemed to me like the numbers were sort of eking down and he's looked more confident with the putter. So I just felt like, you know, coming to a place that feels familiar, home fans, the way he plays, he's, he's going to have a great time. And so far, I'm, I'm, once in a while, I get lucky. And, and this time he's proved me right. Those two at 15 under, Denny and Keegan Bradley. Ches Reevy checks in, former winner here, uh, just two back at 13 under, and then another two-shot gap to Eric Cole at 11 under. Zach Blair, Adam Scott, both in at 10 under par. We've got 36 holes to go. We've got plenty of big names. Let's see the board, please, here. 
Josh, in terms of the odds. Yeah, look at this. Little uh, little co-favorites up at the top. Denny McCarthy, plus 240. Keegan Bradley, plus 250. Currently at the halfway point. And Ches Reeve is 8-1. to Everybody else, Mark, is 20-1 to or longer. So if you think there might be a leaderboard shakeup on Saturday, there might be some opportunities a bit further down the board. Yeah, well, look, I, I must give a nod. I just quickly flipped on the comments here, and, and our guy Joseph Boza uh, must know something that I don't because he is forecasting that with weather, the tour may go uh, go early and go in threes tomorrow. So uh, I think that could change the dynamic a little bit. But still, um, like I said to you, Denny McCarthy is going to be tough, and Keegan Bradley is going to be tough too. I would say if you're going to split the two of them, um, you can you can't bet because you never know on missing putts. But if one of those two is going to miss putts, it's not going to be Denny. So you could pretty well, if he keeps hitting the ball well, look at the guy shooting four under or so a day, and that gets a, that's eight on wherever he is now. So that's twenty three. I would even go a little lower than that. So for Rory and Scotty and that sort of crowd, they're really going to have to get busy. They really, really are. Um, I think it'll be out there. Um, I haven't really looked at the weather, but it is there to be had. So uh, I would figure someone goes out early and they do one of those rounds where they threaten like 10, 11 under par and thrust themselves into the mix. Then they just hope for that that final group gravity stuff to set in on, on Saturday afternoon. So hopefully they're in the mix for Sunday. Would Again, you take? How about both of them, Mark? Would you take? Would I, if I give you Denny and Keegan versus the field? Do you like that side or do you want the field? <laughs> I'll take I'll take Denny and Keegan versus the field. I think I would too. Yeah, no, I, I mean I they got a pretty handy lead. You pointed out on on the guys in third and fourth, and, and so what are they both fifteen, right? Yeah, and the immediate chasers. No offense to Ches Reeve, Eric Cole, Zach Blair are not like the scariest of guys to be chasing you down. So they've got a pretty decent cushion there. And I, I trust Denny to an extent. I trust Keegan to an extent. Yeah, but you must look at the, I hear you and I agree with you, but both Eric and Chez, Chez Reeves won around here. Okay. Yeah. And that's the one thing about this golf course. It really doesn't like favorites. It's 6,800 yards, but it plays a bit longer than that for some reason. Um, and sometimes bombers win. We've seen Bubba and Dustin Johnson play great around here. And we've seen short guys like Chez Reeve win. So it's kind of democratic. And both Chez and Eric Cole kind of have the the recipe, if you will, for playing this golf course well. It's more than, it's more, I, I think really this weekend, it's going to be more about the moment and, and who deals with this birdie chase that's going to be on the best mentally and emotionally. Because you can quickly get yourself mentally behind the eight ball when you get out there and you've made five or six pars in a row and you're watching or you're hearing roars around the place and you're watching leaderboards, you see guys shooting six, seven, eight under par all the time. So I, I think for the leaders, it'll be a bit of, bit of a, a mental and emotional battle because if you start missing putts, that hole starts looking quite small, especially in a birdie fiesta. All right. Well, we will be back after round three to discuss Further, this Travelers Championship, uh, Joseph Bosa in the chat was uh, indeed correct. The tour did announce that tee times will be between 1045 and 1245 off of two tees in groups of three for 
Thursday. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, again, we'll be back same time, same place on Saturday. Big thanks for now to producer Josh. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. Mark Immelman available on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.